Love to have you be a part of that. Today we conclude our uh, PT's Friends Talks. And as you know, this most of this month we've had some of our former staff come back and speak and just give you an update. Uh, today's a special treat for me personally and really for our church. Uh, you'll get to hear from uh, my mentor, my spiritual father, uh, when I come out of Bible college back in 19-something or rather. I... Uh, uh, I, I was able to go and join his staff at just a wonderful church that he was pastoring in Lodi, a very significant church in our denomination, and he uh, retired from there in 2004. He was actually the pastor here of this church, uh, 1970, 1961 to 1973, and uh, during that time, he had the vision, uh, this used to be, I guess they tell me, some big anthill you know, just kind of a big field, and this was kind of an anthill here, and um, he had the vision to be able to buy this property, I believe, like for $32,000 that we're presently on, and uh, and then Pastor Mel Warford, who followed Pastor Jim, uh, had the vision to be able to build this campus that we're on, and so now we're getting to fill it up and make plans for another building, but this is my mentor, and this is a man that's very close to me that uh, I hold in high esteem. We get to serve in missions together, on some boards together, and um, we get to do a lot of golf together, and uh, we used to do basketball together, and then he got really old, and, um, <laughs> and I can't breathe anymore, so we both have a reason and an excuse, uh, but I want you to welcome home and give a warm welcome to Pastor Jim. Thank you, friend. What? I still bet you I could take him one-on-one. -on -one. He can't breathe. That's why I said that. <laughs> well, needless to say, I have a lot of great memories, <clears throat> excuse me, of Martinez. I uh, learned some great, great lessons that I don't know whether they helped me or hindered me, but I learned to never listen to people who don't want to get on the train. There's, there was a group of people that I learned never, <clears throat> never to answer the phone on Monday. And uh, I suppose every church has them. I uh, made up my mind that I wasn't going to believe what was there. I was going to believe what I believed God could put there. And I want to tell you something. I had some wonderful, wonderful, harvestful years. And uh, I come back here and I still reminisce at all the great things that I learned that um, stood me in good stead the rest of my years of pastoring. Had a lot of great memories with um, Terry and Trina, and uh, it's always a joy to come back to one of my homes. And uh, it's a joy to be here today. I really feel that what I want to teach today is if I had one last sermon to preach, 
Now, I don't intend to be my last one, but if I had one last sermon to preach, this is what I would preach. I want to begin by saying that what I am going to talk about really became a lifestyle for myself. I'm not just going to talk about something that the Bible says. I want to enhance what the Bible says by telling you up front that everything that I ever dreamed, I experienced. I am unlikely in this sense that I was born into a family of 12 kids. Poor, had nothing. My father lost his leg in an accident in 1935. And we lived in Indiana, and in the hospital he got an infection in his lungs and had to leave the humidity of Indiana. And we ended up taking all of our belongings, such as they were, in a truck, loaded, and now imagine all those kids trekking to South Dakota. When we arrived in South Dakota, we were going to move into this church that had been remodeled for rooms. And we were unloading our earthly goods and a gray-haired lady in a white car drove on the property. Come to find out she was from the welfare department. Now all these kids understand her thinking and she looked at all these kids and offered to pay our way back to Indiana. So I come from an unlikely. Now, I don't, how many of you are from a large family? Large family. Is it easy to get lost in a large family? Yes. Can you imagine eight brothers and four sisters? Oh, I could tell you stories. But the point I want to make is that I stand here today unlikely that anything of significance would have ever happened with my life. And yet, I can tell you to this morning that there is nothing that I've ever wanted to have that I haven't had or have right now. Places that I dreamed of going, I've been there. As a child growing up, cars that in my fantasy, I thought, I wonder what it would be like to drive one of those. Well, I'll tell you what, I've had them all. There is hardly a sports car 
Now, I wasn't into the Ferraris and stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But I have either owned or own right now. I sit back sometimes in my chair and look back across my life. And what I've experienced and what I saw God do overwhelms me now. So what I want to do is, like I said, if I had one teaching that I would like to give before I died, this is what it would be. Most Christians, I would say the percentage of people who really grasp what God has given and God has for them is so minuscule, I wouldn't even want to embarrass anyone. The number of people who are rich in God's goodness and yet live in poverty. I had a gentleman come to me having read my notes and he said, what about the goat woman? That's on the notes, I guess. Well, let me tell you about the goat woman because it is the illustration of what I think happens to most Christians. In Sturgis, South Dakota, where we lived for a while, there was a lady, as you come in on Highway 85 into Sturgis, there was this junkyard, that's my opinion, all kinds of junk, there wasn't even a house there, just a lean-to. How that woman ever lived in the cold winters, I don't know. But this whole area was known as the goat woman. She wore, in the summertime, an old army overcoat and shoes that had no toes in them. And she walked around her property and she took care of goats. And I don't know of anyone that I've ever uh, seen, and I've been to foreign fields, so I say this with a little bit of knowledge, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone who lived in such poverty and disrespect. But what I learned about the goat woman in Sturgis, South Dakota, is that when she died, she owned almost a third of the buildings in downtown Sturgis. But lived in poverty. And in my journey of pastoring, I have met multitudes of people who have a great inheritance and have great promises of God who yet live in poverty. I'm here to tell you that God is a God of His Word. And that what God promised, He promised for you. There is an old song. It is no secret what God can do. Stuart Hamblin. I listened to that as a kid. And in that 
song, it says, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others. He'll do for you. And as a pastor, I never plan to do what I have done for beginning next month, or next, yeah, October, or no, August. I will have been pastoring for 60 years. Now, 50, some of them, was active pastor. The other, I've been an overseeing pastor. And so I've got a long history of seeing people. And I am amazed that most Christians still struggle with their little world and exist in poverty, spiritual poverty, in relationship to what God has provided. And so I want to come to you today, first of all, my life experience. Secondly, if I left a message for you to embrace for the future of your life, no matter what it has been, it would be the content. Now, because I have a tendency to talk and not get to everything, I do want to establish the three points who you are, who you are, I didn't say who you think you are, or who you live like. I want you to know who you are, where you are, and with the help of the Lord, try to help you understand what you have. Not something you're going to get, Something that is already yours. As I said, like the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, the great miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Moving toward the land of promise, the promised land where milk and honey flowed. What happened to them? They listened to false reports and allowed people's murmuring to sweep through the camp, and they chose not to go in to what God provided. And that is true of multitudes of believers. I want to first of all establish some truths because of what I'm going to say later on. Number one, the scripture says, Forever, O Lord, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Jesus said in Mark, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word abides forever. The scripture says that in the ages to come he might show unto us the wonders of his grace. I can't get over that scripture. Folks, we got a great future. Think of that. In the ages to come. 
what's going to happen? God is going to be in the business for you and I to be manifesting the wonders of His grace. Throughout eternity, there will be a continual unfolding of the grace of God. Think of it. There's one of my favorite scriptures, and this is important because I hope to come back to it if I get there. Acts 2.23. If you haven't read it, it's one of those scriptures that my mind, there is rarely a week will go by that I don't dwell on Acts 2.23. Peter, talking after Pentecost, where all of these people were inquiring about what was going on. And Peter says to them, him, referring to Jesus, according to the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and crucified. Now, now, that, if you look at what that means, that those words are, the determinate counsel. Now, hear me. This has to do with eternity past. Before the world, in the beginning, there was an agreement together with the God, because it says the determinant counsel. Counsel had to do with talking. That somewhere in the eons of eternity past, before the foundations of the world were even laid. Back in the invisible, because everything exists in the invisible before it becomes visible. So in the eons of eternity past, God knowing that the fall of man would happen, deliberated together God, the eternal God, the judge of the earth, Jesus, the eternal word, and the Holy Spirit, the eternal spirit, discussing redemption. What are we going to do when man falls? And before the foundations of the world were even laid, according to the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, their decision was that God, the judge of all the earth, who would reign forever and ever. Jesus, the word, would become flesh and dwell among us for the purpose of identifying with fallen humanity. And he would go to the cross and pay the price of our redemption. And the Holy Spirit becomes the agent of God who commits himself to go out throughout the whole creation and draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. 
what I want to establish here is this, that God's plan of redemption is far greater than your salvation. God could have taken care of that instantly and easily. But God, in his eternal design, desires that you and I would come on board and that you and I would quit our doubts and our failure focus and begin to embrace the awesomeness of redemption. Hear me, folks. I wanted to help you understand redemption because redemption is more than your life here on this earth. This is but a speck in time. And what happens is that people become so tied up with this short speck of time that we neglect to become part of what God has eternally set in order and in motion. And he's standing at the throne beckoning us to come on board. And I don't care what your history has been or what it is. I want to call you on board to the awesomeness of redemption and prayerfully try to establish in your mind if I could put one truth into your mind it would be this that God's word is true and it's not dependent upon whether or not you believe it you can doubt it if you want but that doesn't change the fact that it is God's word. And his word, remember, is forever and ever and ever settled. Before the foundations of the world were even laid, God set in motion redemption. And my, my hope is to try to get you even though I used my life as an illustration, I don't understand how it is that in my poverty mentality and the church that I grew up in, what you couldn't do and all of that. I don't know what happened. But I remember not ever wanting to do this and I said, if God, you call me to do this, I'll give it the best I got. And somehow God opened to me the grace of God and allowed me to grasp truths that I could look beyond all the murmuring and complaining of Christians. And I could see and believe what God had for me. And I'm here to tell you that there hadn't been anything come short of the vision and the dream that God placed. I saw things in the spiritual realm in spite of what I was facing every day. I saw things that God birthed in my spirit. And you know what? In spite of the murmuring and complaining of churches, Listen, I'm so tired. 
can I just give you a little really great advice? If you don't like what God's doing, at least shut up. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Just be quiet. Can I tell you something? You're going to lose anyhow. You might as well lose with your mouth shut. Because you don't have anything to regret. I want you to know, God wants this church. God wants you to be a part of a bountiful harvest. That even where you are not right now is nothing in comparison to what he wants. Because God wants to share with you the wonders of his grace. Does God love every soul? Yes. And what the world needs is people who quit murmuring about their problems and begin to focus upon the promises of God. Oh, that I could say to you, we have a great salvation. We are redeemed. We are new creatures. Hear me. We are righteous. If there's one truth, because I know how people struggle. I've pastored for 50 years. I know how people struggle. But if I could do one thing that really, really changed my self-image, really saw myself beyond what people in my congregation said about me, I, I don't know what happened. I just acted like I know something they didn't. And I believed what I heard in spite of what I saw. But one of the things that changed my life is that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. In Christ. Now, here's what that means. You are aware of every failure and sin you commit. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't see that. And the reason he doesn't see that is that God sees you when you put your faith in Christ. God sees you in the absolute righteousness of him. That, I ought to get a better than one amen. <laughs> you hear what I said? That God sees you in the absolute perfection of Jesus Christ. Now, you're not only righteous, you are saved, you are sealed. How many of you remember when you were born again. There isn't anybody here that's ever been born again that doesn't remember when it happened. What, wh how, why do you remember it? You remember it because when you come into agreement with God's word through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit put his seal or his mark 
or his ownership thing. You have his signet. And you belong to him. But here's the great part. That that seal of the Spirit is the down payment, which is the guarantee. That experience that you had is God's guarantee. God's guarantee that he is going to complete what he started. That my inheritance is absolute and certain. Why? Because when I believe God sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of what he has planned for my life. I am saved. I am sealed. The scripture says we've been made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now that's important for a truth that I want to get at toward the end. You are seated right now. You are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. Whether you understand that or not, you are made to set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Jesus? Where did he ascend to? He ascended to set at the right hand of the Father. So when we're seated with him, what does that mean? That means that we're seated right there with him. And I am secure. You see, I don't have to worry about being lost because I'm saved through the grace of God. And God never starts something that he doesn't finish. And the Bible says that he is our anchor that is already at the throne. And I am down here still living on this earth as a ball tethered to a pole that I'm the ball. But the tether is at the throne of the righteous God and Christ is there. And I'm tied to him. I'm already seated there. So, who am I? Where am I? I am a pilgrim and a stranger. This world is not my home. The song says, I'm just a stranger passing through. Folks, we are on a journey. This is not the ultimate. This is just like an old dirty bus stop. And we ain't staying here. You see, who we are, where we are, and what do we have? Well, I want you to know the Bible says that we have already, hear me, we have, Ephesians 1, 3 says that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Did you hear what I said? He hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Now, get this. Get this. Do you realize that everything that is visible begin in the invisible? 
that God is spirit. God in spirit. Now, he isn't a spirit. He is spirit. God is spirit. And what he did is he brought into visibility his plan of redemption. God already, now listen to me, God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. If you have Christ, you have every blessing that God ever provided in Christ. So, hear me. You are blessed. I want you to know that you're not only blessed, but I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you got faith. Now, bear with me. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, what's the next part? It is impossible to please God. Right? Am I right to say that the only way you can ever be pleasing to God is through faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if I have faith, what does that mean? It means that I can please God. Now, the scripture says, God has given to every man and woman a certain measure of faith. Look at the person next to you and say, I got faith. Now, when you say that, you are hanging yourself. And the reason I say that is you have no excuse for not living a life pleasing to God. You have no excuse. You have no excuse for the way you're living. But you have every reason to grab on to that fact that God, I know I can live pleasing to you because you've given me faith. What do I have? I have blessings, I have faith. But hear me, Romans 8, one of the great scriptures, 26 through 28 are wonderful, but what you need to know is that you live in a world that is sin-cursed and is longing for release, right? This world is a mess. Oh, I'm not telling you for one moment that it's out of God's control. But it's a mess. And the scripture says we live in this. We're in turmoil. We don't know how to pray and handle stuff that is going on. But the scripture says that we have an intercessor, the Holy Spirit, that takes the things that we don't know how to deal with that are crushing us, and he comes alongside of us, and he begins to intercede at the throne of the Father and connecting to our problems and intercedes for us according to the will of God. 
I'm an intercessor. The one I want to end with, I got one minute to do this. It'll take longer. <laughs> Is this. The scripture says, these things write I unto you, Second Peter, or Second John, these things write I unto you that you sin not. That's a pretty good statement. But then it says, but. Everybody say, but. How many of you ever get accustomed to somebody saying that, but? But. These things write I unto you that you sin not. But. If any man sin, we have an advocate Say the word advocate. advocate. Shake your head and say, what's that? We have it. That's what the scripture says. If any man sin, we have an advocate. With who? With the Father. The judge of the earth. So I want to talk with you about getting over your failures and your sins. I learned this by revelation or illumination that God forgives and God forgets. But here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me and God forgot that he forgave. How many of you have struggled and are struggling with the same thing in your life that you have repented of time and time again? And every time you come to the Lord, you sort of say what I said when the Lord spoke this to me. It's me again, Lord. You know how much I have failed you again. And Lord, can you forgive me one more time? And that's when the Holy Spirit said to me, God forgives, God forgets, and then he forgets that he forgave. Now here's the value of that. God has no list of your past failures. Hear me. He has no, you can start today. Because when we sin, God forgets that he forgave. But what happens in the throne of heaven when believers sin? Ah, but we have an advocate. Where are we seated? We're seated with Christ, right? I told you that earlier. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says, if we sin, we have an advocate. What's an advocate? An advocate is the attorney that goes before the judge to represent you 
in your failures. And a good attorney can make you look like something totally different than what you are. That's his job. That's why you hired the attorney to go talk to the judge, right? Well, when you sin, we have an advocate with God. Jesus Christ. What does Jesus do when you sin? Jesus goes before the Father, and what does he remind the Father of? He reminds them of Acts 2.23. You remember that we made an everlasting, unchangeable covenant, and you said that you would save and forgive every person that come to faith in me. And you said that the Holy Spirit would be faithful to go draw us to forgiveness. And I'll tell you how good you are before the Father. You are as good as your attorney. He can't make you any better because he's the best. He's the advocate that steps before the Father and reminds the Father of the eternal covenant that was agreed before the foundation. But you better listen to this. Because you ain't going to get by. I don't care how many drugs you take. I don't care how many times you commit adultery or fornication. I don't care what you do. You know that if you have ever embraced Jesus, that the Holy Spirit down inside of you says, you're made for something better than this. Am I right? You can't. The bad part of this, or the good part of this, is that God forgives. But the bad part of it is, you can't sin like you used to sin. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, when you sin, the Holy Spirit comes after you. And he will dog you to the ends of the earth. And he will be there around every corner and everything you try to take to disguise his inner voice that says you're made for something better. Remember the goat woman. Remember the goat woman. Don't live like a pauper. Don't live like a has-been. Live like a child of the king. Why? Because Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the king. I'm done. Let's stand together, if you would, please. I think we can all apply and uh, get something out of Pastor Jim's message. Um, it's just filled with uh, a lot of, uh, not facts, but truth. And um, the, the difference, well, truth is just has a, a wonderful way to transform and to change and to renew our lives. What I want to do for you or have you do 
is kind of an action step today. Is probably a number of us could be going through an issue, a difficulty, a problem, facing a question in our life, directional, whatever it is, financial relation. I want you to think and ask, Lord, would, would you give me something from your word? Would you give me a word from your word? You see, that's when the word becomes powerful when you begin to use it and appropriate it and apply it to your situation. That's what moves you from kind of staying at the proper level to beginning to appropriate the, the things that God has blessed you with. And it really only happens through the word. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by just kind of bumping in to somebody here. The stability and strength is God's word that is forever settled in heaven. Sometimes we forget. There's like two things that are eternal, us and God's word. And those are the only two things that are going to be in heaven. God's heaven's going to be run by God's word. That's how settled it is there. So I want you today as you leave, think of whatever it is maybe you're facing, question you have, you're going through, and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go to the Bible, and I'm going to find a word for that that would settle me and establish deep moorings of faith in my soul. And you begin to use the word that way for you and your present and into your future. So let's go today. Let's not just go, oh, that's a great word, Pastor Jim. Let's, let's apply it and appropriate it the way God wants us to. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, good, good. Well, sure good to see you this morning. I want to pray over you and ask God's blessing upon you. Let's give Pastor Jim a hand again and thank him for his word. How bad for an 82-year-old guy going through three services, huh? Thanks for coming, Pastor. Father, we want to come today. We thank you, Lord, for the richness of your word, the wisdom, Lord, of a, of a man who's walked with you all of these years and has lived out what he preaches and shares today. God, I pray that we as a church and we as individuals, Lord, would live at a different level because we trust in your word. We look to your word. And Lord, these, you, this this group of people, this flock that uh, I have the privilege of shepherding today, Lord, we want to be difference makers for you, but first we got to become difference makers in our lives, in our families, and Lord, not stay close to the shores of the Red Sea, but as we cross over, Lord, we begin to move at different levels and dimensions of living. And I pray that, Lord, over this people right now. Lord, let us believe in faith not simply to please you, but to be pleasing, Lord, to those around us and to our own lives, Lord, that we can live in the strength and power and the dynamic of your spirit, Lord. So give us words to apply to our situations, Lord, so we begin to rise up and really sense, maybe for some of us the first time, that we can live above where we are. So thanks, Lord, for your word. Lord, we trust in it, look to it, believe it, rest in it. Go with these people this week. Watch over them. Watch over our Mexico team. We give thanks and praise for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, we agree and say amen. Amen. You're sure loved. Lord bless you. Have a great day.